How do you maintain security and privacy in the social media space? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today with Hamanshu Nigam, former CISO with News Corp in MySpace. Hey, Mo, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Tom. To start out, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what's now your former role with News Corp and MySpace and the work that you're doing today in this field. Absolutely. I actually started off as a line prosecutor in the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office where I ended up specializing in child exploitation, rape crimes, child abuse, which led me to the Justice Department as one of their first Internet predator prosecutors. I was focused on Internet child pornography, Internet predators, trafficking of women and children across from around the world into the United States, and then moved into the computer crime section where I taught and also handled denial of service attacks, virus attacks, and then eventually went to the Motion Picture Association to help them build their first ever worldwide internet enforcement department against movie piracy online. And then from there, I went up to Microsoft in Seattle and helped with creating a business strategy around security, around safety, and around child safety issues, which actually is the result is what resulted in my ending up at MySpace as one of the first chief security officers when the issues surrounding safety, security, and privacy were brewing, and then eventually was elevated into News Corp's world in the same type of position, but handling this for all the digital properties that they own. Well, a broad question for you, Hema, which is when you talk about news media, especially social media, what have you found to be the biggest information security challenges for these organizations in terms of protecting staff as well as, as clients or customers or, or members? I think you're actually going to be surprised by my answer because I think most of the time when I hear that question asked, I often hear people respond with, it's the technical this or the technical that. I think the greatest challenge facing any company that's trying to protect information is people. And it's people in the sense that they're behaving in a way that puts their company assets at risk or puts their own personal assets at risk. And by assets, I mean data, whether it's personal information, it's trade secrets, it's copyrighted information. It's the way people behave when they're surfing or they're downloading some new thing that they found or they're sharing a file. All the different actions they're taking if they're not conscious of the security risk that they're engaging in, that is probably the biggest danger. And the second biggest danger is the lack of updating. This is the technical side. And the IT groups that manage data and protection of data where, I don't know if you remember the last time you did this, but I can guarantee you've done this before, Tom. You get something on your computer that says, there's a security update, please update now or install now, or the next button is remind me later. Exactly. And what do you do? And you can say, you can admit it, <laughs> you hit remind me later. And that's another way of saying, I know there's a hole in my computer. The hacker obviously knows, otherwise there would be no update needed. And I'm going to leave that hole or door open for that person or group to come in and do whatever they want. And that's true in the organizational structures. It's also true in home computers. Now, Hema, one of the stories that we've been watching this week has been the the aftermath of the WikiLeaks, where the supporters have been coming out and launching attacks against sites such as PayPal, Twitter, MasterCard. As someone who has worked at a prominent social media site, how do you secure such a public site?
from external attacks such as what we've seen this week? I got to tell you, I mean, the WikiLeaks things, what you're seeing is, in essence, the cyber messiah. I mean, that's how Julian Assange, Julian Assange has become. And his followers are, in essence, saying, you turn your back on our messiah, we're going to take you down. So whether you're Visa or you're some smaller site, it behooves you to engage immediately in what I call layered security and a holistic approach to security, safety, and privacy. And what that means is start with an assessment. Assess everything that you have, figure out what is secure or not, and you're going to probably have to bring in an outside party. My company does this, for example. We go in into different companies and clients and look at what's already there and what's not there. Once you figure out where the gaps are, start implementing the solutions. That's the first step. The second is plan for a crisis. It is such a shock to companies when a crisis occurs and they don't know what step one is supposed to be. Do I call legal? Do I call the PR folks? Do I call the IT guy who's in charge at 2 a.m.? Who am I supposed to call? And by the time those decisions are made, the attack continues, and, for example, on MasterCard, the site goes down. So, And the reality is many of these plans, when you implement them, and, and I, 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 having put in plans in place, it's surprising to see how much there is a lack of awareness around this, but the positive is there's a lack of desire to get it done once you raise that awareness. Um, and then finally, raise the awareness at the executive level as well as the employee level. The more people have a stake in the game and they realize if you don't engage in these things in the way that you're being trained to, it can cause damage to your company, to your assets, and at the end of the day, that means to your own paycheck, and then people care. Now, one of the issues, the issue at the, the, the core of the WikiLeaks is privacy. There documents and conversations that people thought were going to be private have been made public. How does one go about ensuring users' privacy, as you've had to do at MySpace and elsewhere? I think it's, a, it's, it's an approach that takes many facets, but the first is technology. If you build technological solutions on the back end, that will say, well, let's trigger an alert when some anomalous behavior, for example, happens. That's a great example of where tech engineers and support operations can come in and say, something's funny going on in this account, let's take a look. Or let's limit access to this particular area because that person shouldn't have access to A, they should only have access to B. And then giving the users themselves tools to use to protect their own privacy. That can be something like, um, controlling what parts of your site you want to keep private. When you um, when you think that somebody's engaging in a way that you don't agree with, the ability to block them and to report them. And then second facet is education. You can build the greatest solutions like these, but if people are not educated on what to do, how to do it, then they're going to fail in the end. So educating your user base on what it means, how to behave more properly, and when they do it on your site, they just become a better Internet citizen because they'll do it in other places as well. So that actually helps the entire community. The third is partnering. You may not be an expert in safety, security, or privacy, but there's plenty of experts out there. And whether they're paid consultants like myself or they're nonprofit organizations or advocacy groups, it's in your own best interest and your users' best interest to start partnering with them, bring them in and say, can you help me out here? and you will be surprised at how many people are willing to help you. And finally, 
its enforcement. When you have something like this happen, you have to send a very quick, very strong message that you care and that you're willing to take action. That means action, whether it's referring to law enforcement or filing a lawsuit. Looking at the government right now, the leak that's happened, there's a soldier in a bunker, but there's also thousands and thousands and thousands of documents that are out there. And I would expect, if you want to really send a message on not to have this happen in the future, the government starts lining up individuals and saying, you're responsible, you are, you are, you are, and we're going to prosecute. And until that day comes, I think people are going to be inclined to feel as though it's okay or they can get away with it because, hey, nobody really gets prosecuted. So we've seen social media explode over the past few years and threats to people that participate in social media. From your perspective, what do you see as the greatest threats to privacy and security of individuals and organizations in social media? I am, um, <laughs> and I'm laughing to myself a little because I'm, I actually look at this from that, the perspective like we had talked about before of people. I think the greatest threat is the lack of understanding in human beings who go online, who treat the online world as a different place than the physical world. And what I mean by that is this. The social media space has, in essence, created a mirror image of what exists in your physical world, in a town when it's a smaller site, in a city when it's bigger, a country when it's larger. A whole continent, like Facebook, for example, has over 550 million users per month around the world. That has gone large. It's almost the twice the size of the United States at this point. Given that, you have the same types of issues you will have in the physical world in the online space. And until people who are using it online recognize that, they may treat it differently. They may say, well, you know what, I can, I can post this photo of me with just a thong or nothing on. Who's going to see it? But if you ask them to take that same photo and stick it on a, in a billboard in Times Square, their reaction would be, oh, my God, why would I do something like that? And yet, that's what they're doing online. And so I think educating individuals to understand that they really are one and the same, that the assessments that they use in the physical world apply just as well in the online world, then they will go much further, and that's how you would have to deal with these threats. Hey, Amy, where do you see the greatest value of social networking sites such as MySpace and others, particularly for, for corporations? I think a lot of it, and, and this is true, it's corporations as well as this is sites like Facebook and MySpace, it's the power and ability social media gives you to reach people and connect directly. So if you're a brand, if you're a brand, for example, like um, if you're Let's take a sport, Adidas. You're a, you're a brand like Adidas. You can connect directly using the power of social media with your consumer, engage in conversations, and get a loyalty following or loyal following that you may not be able to do just by television advertising. That's one area. The other is philanthropy. There are so many groups that are nonprofits who now have the ability to reach and raise awareness about their cause around the world, which they didn't have before, because they'd have to go door knocking door by door by door. That's another. And the third is the ability to do good. For example, you can set up mechanisms where you're highlighting if there's somebody who, say, is being suicidal online. You give the user who sees that the ability to report it, 
On the back end, you have a support team who can call the police right away, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline right away, and get that person taken care of. You can create Amber Alerts that go from the physical highway sign to the online place where a lot of people may actually have information to provide. So there's lots of abilities to do good in society, whether it's philanthropy, helping somebody in a time of crisis, or on the brand side, reaching consumers. One of the things we hear an awful lot about today is the necessity for a social media policy for employees. And I'm curious, when you were at MySpace, did you have a social media policy for your staff? Well, I can't talk as a spokesperson for MySpace, but in general, what I can tell you is that companies who are, even if they're not a social media company, if you at all have any inclination of allowing Internet access in your company networks, then you need to have a social media policy. And I say that because your users are going to use Facebook or MySpace or Twitter or all sorts of other sites out there in order, during work hours, in order to, whether posting something or, or, or commenting on somebody's wall, and the question becomes, are they allowed to do that, number one? Number two, what can or can they not say when they do speak? Do they have to speak on behalf of the company if it's done during working hours, or can they still do personal business? All sorts of these decisions have to be made. Every company is different. Every company has a different philosophy, which means every social media policy is going to be slightly tweaked one from the next. What would you say are the key tenets that have to be in a social media policy? I think the most important one is to distinguish between what is allowed as a company individual. Number one, are you allowed to do it in the first place? Can an individual who's not technically, quote-unquote, the authorized spokesperson of a company go on a social media site and engage in that during working hours? And if the answer is yes, we want our employees to feel like they can do things like that and it makes them more productive, then the second question is do they need to act in official capacity even if, even um, or personal capacity even though it's happening during working hours? And the third, I think, is what are the ramifications for violating? Because until employees understand what can happen if you violate, not just to the company, but also to the individual employee, then enforcement becomes rather difficult. Final question for you, Hamo. For organizations looking to maximize their social networking opportunities, what advice would you offer to them? I would say the first thing you have to do before you even get into a social networking opportunity is focus first on laying a foundation of safety, security, and privacy. Think these issues through. Figure out how you're gonna how you're gonna implement facets of each one, and do all of that before you start getting into some social networking or social media engagement. Hey, Mo, thank you so much for your time and your insight today. Thanks a lot, Tom. We've been talking about security and privacy in social media. We've been talking with Haman Shunigam, former CISO with News Corp and MySpace. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.